Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our roundtable, our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today with the topic of God, the preserver of man. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, independent Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we're so glad you could join us this morning. We will begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 340 of the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health is Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, and page 79 of the Blue Book. Thou shalt have no other God before me, Exodus 23. The first commandment is my favorite text. It demonstrates Christian science. It inculcates the unity of God, spirit, mind. It signifies that man shall have no other spirit or mind but God, eternal good, and that all men shall have one mind. The divine principle of the first commandment bases the science of being by which man demonstrates health, holiness, and eternal life. One infinite God, good, unifies men and nations, constitutes the brotherhood of man, ends wars, fulfills the scripture, love thy neighbor as thyself, annihilates pagan and Christian idolatry. Whatever is wrong in social, civil, criminal, political, and religious codes, equalizes the sexes and all the curse of man and leaves nothing that can sin, suffer, be punished, or destroyed. May the allness of God love, the nothingness of aught else serve to cover the question of your protection and the allness of good and the powerlessness and non-existence of evil be the reality of your thought. Maybe Katie. Wow, Florence, <laughs> that was great. What a wonderful treatment. Thank you. All right, now our watching point for the week. Watch number 304. Watch. Lest after you come into Christian science, you retain the old concept of a destiny that is subject to chance and change. The destiny of a flower is subject to every wind and storm that comes until it is transplanted into a hothouse. There it develops under ideal conditions and is safe from depredation. When we become Christian scientists, we are transplanted into God's hothouse. There we are under his perpetual care and no longer subject to chance and change. We are governed by the law that all things work together for good because we love God. Thank you very much. Okay, comments on that? I, I looked up that word depredation, and it's the act of plundering, robbing, and pillaging, huh. taking away by any act of violence. Huh. So, 
Wow. I was glad I looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Well, I saw in the golden text where it says God is our refuge and strength. Refuge. I looked that word up. And um, any place inaccessible to an enemy, shelter or protection from danger, that which shelters or protects from danger. A hothouse. Interesting. (laughs) So that's our hothouse, is our refuge in in God. I, I even put, instead of God, I put truth. Truth is our refuge. So that's where we hide out. That's where we're always embraced is in so I just liked that. Oh that's that's the refuge is our it's our hot house. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um this is a very powerful statement and uh I was working with that too and and the definition and also thinking along those lines this week too about refuge and then refugee. Refugee, someone seeking shelter, right, from danger. So God, it's God, is their refuge. It's my refuge. It's everyone's refuge everywhere and strength. And therefore, no one can be without all that they need when they need it. This is something we need to work on daily uh, to know this truth for everyone everywhere. If we are knowing that truth, <clears throat> excuse me, those who are receptive to that truth will find a, a right place, wherever that place might be. But mainly it's it's in the knowing of this truth that it's within God, because God, there's always infinite resources, right, with God, infinite mm-hmm. resources. We can't be overwhelmed that we don't have enough uh, to help others, because with God, there's infinite resources, and in knowing that, all needs will be met. Divine love always has met and always will meet every human need. So it's our refuge. It's everyone's refuge. And we must be knowing this daily. No one can be without their right, rightful home, everything they need. And it's not based on governments. Because governments will fail. Governments have lack of supply. It's based on God. It has to be based on God, where the supply is infinite. And when you know that, then you will have whatever you need. And I know many of you have have proved that and are proving that, because this is a divine law, which is what this watching point says, too. You come under a law. It's not the human law of lack and disturbance and hate and all that kind of thing, but it's the divine law. Mrs. Evans used to tell us a story um, about, well, if you were in a wonderful home where you had every single thing you needed, and then you decide on your own to go out into a blizzard, okay, that's kind of like the hothouse example, you decide that you go out. God doesn't shove you out or push you out. You're in it, but then you decide. And I thought because the story of um, Elijah where he he said in on chapter 19 in 1 Kings, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs, belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And so then he he gets cared for, right? Um, but it was he himself <laughs> who went into the wilderness. And so what does Mrs. Eddy say about wilderness? The definition of it in Science and Health. Loneliness, doubt, darkness, spontaneity of thought and idea, the vestibule in which a material sense of things disappears and a spiritual sense unfolds the great facts of existence. So you see, it starts off kind of awful, right? But then it gets better. It's a vestibule because as we've talked about, trials are proofs of God's care. As, as you're having difficult situations, that's a vestibule to learn to lean more on God, to know that God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You get to lean on him because all other sources fail. And then you come out of this situation. Lawrence, did you want to say something? No, I said you come out of it stronger because you've yes. aligned your thought with him. Thank you. Like Elijah, he found out about the still small voice mm -hmm. and then the remnant. So. Exactly. Yes, and he found out there was a remnant and things were a lot better than he thought. And all of us have a wilderness experience. Carrie sent me this beautiful article called Perseverance by a, a CA, and it was 1903 journal. Israel's journal through the wilderness teaches numerous lessons to those who are beginning their journey out of materiality. One sees plainly how unnecessarily long and weary they made their journey by their discontent, impatience, idolatry, and lack of faith in God. They were willing to leave Egypt because of their misery there, but then they expected to be brought straight into the promised land without in any way fitting themselves for it. Not understanding that in their state of consciousness, harmony was impossible for them. You know, that's an interesting point. <laughs> and where did, Mrs. Eddy says that too in Science and Health at one man's Heaven would be another man's hell. Your, your, your thought has to be prepared or you won't be able to see the good or receive the good. Or be comfortable with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not understanding that in their state of consciousness, harmony was impossible for them and that their needs must be purified and thus their needs had to be purified and thus made ready to receive the fulfillment of the promised blessings. How many of us today are willing to leave all our misery, sin, and sickness behind us just because it is misery and expect, because of this willingness, to be lifted at once above our troubles 
not seeing that we are doing just as the children of Israel did in their day, prolonging our journey by impatience, discontent, complaining, complaining, (laughs) complaining, selfishness, and lack of faith. Good lesson. Because we can look at the children of Israel and say, oh my gosh, you know, all they did, they whined and whined and complained and complained and poor Moses and they were led through the Red Sea and um, every two seconds they were murmuring. <laughs> every two seconds, I know. And then, and what they went around for forty years when it could have been four days. Sure. Or so. mm-hmm. And we had. What do you do? Sorry. Now go ahead, Florence. No, I was going to say, what if in that time they were saying, "Well, Father, what else do we need to know?" Or you know, really asking to be shown what what needs to be corrected in their thinking. Instead of all this murmuring and, oh, we would have been better off in Egypt. And and it's not true (laughs) because the complaining really makes you forget the good that has come already. So true. Well, that's, that's exactly right, because your thought has to be receptive to the good that God always gives us. And when you start complaining... You're making a reality of the of the problem, of the opposition, which we know in science is not the reality of life. It is the illusion that is trying to get you to believe that there is a power other than God. That's all complaining is. You're succumbing to that suggestion, that illusion. And then you're not ready for what God has. And we know, we know that the so-called opposition or or whatever um, we have to deal with, a a lot of it is through witchcraft, hypnotism, illusion, uh, to get us to believe that something is true that isn't true. And if any of you have seen anybody who's under... A hypnotic spell, they seem to be very, what, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, just like a zombie. Like a zombie. That's probably the best <laughs> or, or just, or, or they appear to be wicked, or they appear mm-hmm. to be driven. They appear to be occupied. I mean, there are a lot of different terms that are used for someone who's under the influence of wrong suggestion. Inhabited. <laughs> right? Yes. I don't know if you remember a while ago, it was Bob and Parthens in Colorado who sent us. It was a video of, of people hypnotized and they were lying on the floor and they were told, they were swimming and they were, you know, flapping their arms around and kicking their feet. And, you know, they truly thought that they were swimming, but they weren't. And you could look at it and see. And so it is with this illusionary illusions that we seem to see. We are either seeing the truth about God's creation and bringing it into focus. Or we are seeing this illusion, this dream This dream, the Adam dream, 
started with Genesis 2, when a mist came down, and all the wars, the fighting, the carrying on that goes on. And what is it? As Gary said, it's always that there's another power other than God. And that there's our source of supply, our source of everything is dependent on man, mammon, rather than on God. And when you do that, then you become, um, well. Driven in the wrong direction. Yeah. And and disabled instead of enabled. <laughs> when you know it's God, you're enabled. When you think it's man, you you might temporarily feel you have a a power, but it's if it's not of God, it won't last. Inability versus the infinite ability. Yes. And I think a lot about how important it is that we don't look to other people to be our king or prophet. You know, we we have to we have to go to God individually to find those you know leading us spiritually and through life so thank you yes and this all this all really god god being the preserver of man okay go ahead karen i was just going to say that um daniel jensen's article on animal magnetism um i i I, um when we were on the the subject a few weeks ago on animal magnetism i was reading that article and it, it brought out so clearly how I loved how he said, if we don't even, if we don't acknowledge, even if we're having problems seeing we, the illusion that if we see whatever we're dealing with as illusion, even though we see, like he says, we're knee deep in it. If we at least acknowledge that it is an illusion that we're dealing with and not reality, we, if we don't see that, we're, he says, we're out in the parking lot, so to speak. We're not in the ball game. We're <laughs> out in the parking lot. And I kept saying to myself, and I every once in a while, are you in the ball game or are you out in the parking lot? <laughs> because if you're in the ball game, then you are seeing this as an illusion. And that's, you, if you have, you have to at least see that. Then you see that it's unreal and you begin there, you know, then what is real? But if you're not even there, you're, you're out in the parking lot. You're not even in the ball game. And I don't know. I just really liked how he said that. It really helped me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and and how do we guarantee to ourselves that we recognize it as an illusion? We just have to know that anything that's unlike good, God has no reality, so it it's nothing but illusion. Yeah, we have to know a little bit about who and what God is, don't we? Yeah. We have to know a little bit about who and what reality is in order to in order to recognize the counterfeit. We have to, and let's leave this on the positive. The only way you're going to know if you're out in the parking lot is if you actually know where the ball game is. <laughs> so that's why we that's why we study the lesson every day, right? Yeah. 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 You won't know the counterfeit unless you know the the real thing. When you know the real thing, then you cannot be duped to believe the counterfeit. But sometimes we have to accept. Accept things on faith when it seems so real to tell yourself, no, I know this isn't the truth. <laughs> um, as we've spoken about before, this is how the prisoners of war, well, a few that I know of, uh, kept themselves safe. And sane. And sane by refusing, because there were times when they were being worked on, manipulated to 
think things that weren't true. And when they concentrated, and on this one case, it was they concentrated on the mathematical table, multiplication table, just because that's fact. And they couldn't reach him. They couldn't hypnotize him. And so we must be just as strong in knowing the truths that we are taught from the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, commandments, and and Mrs. Eddy's works. They keep us demesmerized by the illusion. One thing I love very much, because it's it's sort of a quick way that Mrs. Eddy knew that Jesus healed. It's in the lesson this week where on 476, Jesus beheld in science the perfect man who appeared to him where sinning mortal man appears to mortals. In this perfect man, the Savior saw God's own likeness. And this correct view of man healed the sick. That is how Jesus healed. In that connection, um, when I uh, read that, I always remember that it didn't say the corrected view healed, it was the correct view. Yes. We have today visiting with us Frances from Maryland and her husband, Jean, who was born in Palestine. <laughs> well, kind of, he was on the boat coming over to America. But I don't know if I've ever met anybody. <laughs> it was very exciting <laughs> to meet somebody from Palestine because, I don't know, you, you read about it in the Bible, these places, but uh, they've actually been there, as Tom has been to the Holy Land. And Francis gave me this most beautiful book of pressed flowers from the Holy Land. It was very precious. And she brought all these books for our um, library. And they were very all very precious. And Thomas, who was here yesterday, said he was, what, just absolutely awed by it, right? Thomas? Oh, bring Linda back. I don't know where she went. Oh, she's there. Yeah, come back, Linda. All right. So anyway, Tom, maybe he's on mute. But anyway, he was here, and we're all so grateful for their visit. Thank you both for coming. All right. So where were we? Um, Correct view of man. Oh, yes. That, that beautiful statement. We should all know it and work with it, because right where we might see a sinning man we know is is God because God is all in all. It's not God, but it's the reflection of God. It, yes. And and as we know that, it's healing to know that. And as we know this and as we're knowing these truths, we are staying in the Father's house. Which goes back to the watching point. Or as the responsive reading says, the city of God. Let's let's live in that. New Jerusalem, where it's quite beautiful. The city of peace. The city of peace, yes. And if you're in a, a hot house, it makes you grow. So you get your understanding of God. That's a good idea. Thought. Yeah, it makes you grow. You don't stagnate. You have to grow. <laughs> Between all the rain and sun and everything you're getting, you, you so, can't stagnate. So don't murmur about it. Don't, don't murmur, right. 
Okay, Nancy, you sent me some good things today. Well, I looked up Preserver, and it's one that saves or defends destruction or evil, or to preserve, to uphold, or to sustain. And I always like to know that God sustains everything. Um, So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, This 46th Psalm is giving a beautiful description of God's wonderful promise to us that he will be with us always. He's our our help in everything. And the verse, um, it should be our natural response that we should not fear. Therefore, why would we fear? (laughs) Right. And um, all of the various distresses that uh, are listed in Psalm 46 are occasions to take note of God's help, for he is our refuge and our strength. The world is unstable, but the city of God, his habitation, is established and secure. No matter what happens in this world, God will be exalted, and those who are his will ultimately be safe. And we can be still and know that God surrounds us and protects us in all our difficulties. He is our refuge and provides safety. We take shelter in our relationship with him. And um, I think I so anyway i was struck with it this week's lesson tells us all the ways that god preserves us all the uh, situations that we face he is forever present restoring strengthening protecting and sustaining us we need not fear for he is ever present no matter what we might seem to be facing but our or my part in my relationship with god is to silence all error and mortal mind illusion by declaring, be still, which means lay down your arms and surrender and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. I really like that. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Nancy. All right. And Shardell. Oh, uh, in that same 46 song, number four, that reminded me there is a river, the streams where of shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And that reminded me of the the peace like a river, which I have used for many years. And uh, it's in Isaiah 66. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles, that also... Peace be still, like Nancy said, Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians. And then there's a song of peace like a river. I looked this up on the internet. When peace like a river, yes, when peace like a river attendeth my way, that's the quote. And then the man said, despite what is going on around you, Peace washes over you in abundance like a mighty rushing river. Lovely. Thank you. And so what is the scientific basis for all this? For the peace rushing over you? For God being the preserver of every possibility that you could ever face? Why is that true? Because all source is God. 
it, because there's yeah there's no separation between you and God ever. You are God manifest. You are His image and likeness. So God can't suffer. God can't have problems. <laughs> Neither can you when you know that you are God manifest, that you are his image and likeness. And after, in, in citation four, God, Jesus seeing the correct view of man, finishes with, thus Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is intact. It's intact in you. It's universal. There is nothing outside of God's kingdom. And that man, the true creation of God, the true image and likeness of God, which in reality you are, is pure and holy. So th th there is a scientific basis for this. This is not something we hope for <laughs> or wish for. It is the truth. And yeah. it heals. We, we know Christian science isn't just a... It's not not really a religion. Mrs. Eddy says that it's the laws and principles of the universe, and they can be operated by anyone anywhere. And it, but it must be accompanied with Christianity, Christian science, and that is again Sermon on the Mount and Christ, Christ Christianity, the kindness and the love of Christianity must be hand in hand with the science. The science is cold on its own. Christianity can go every which way without the science. So they both are necessary. And it's why she prayed very earnestly as to what to name her discovery. And that those are the words that came to her. And we do know, you know, that there are truths, many, many truths, for many years, because the truth is infinite and it has continued on, will continue on, and it has been forever, those truths. But this is Eddie, and we acknowledge her as being the woman in the apocalypse in Revelation. She was the one who found the complete science. I don't think anywhere else they talk about the unreality of evil, the unreality of matter. I mean, those are deep thoughts and and way ahead of the times, but that doesn't make them nonetheless true. And we know them to be true because even if you can demonstrate it in part, you prove it to yourself that it is true. You prove it. We don't, I don't speak about anything I haven't gone through or I haven't proven for myself, nor to anyone here that I know of. Otherwise, it's just idle talk. You've got to, you've got to know where wherewith you speak are <laughs> the words have no no power florence no i'm just thinking that uh, this is why jesus emphasized the first commandment thou shalt have no other gods before me i feel that if you really focus on that there's no other before god then you cannot you stay awake then you're not glamoured by the different things that happen even the nice ones that can still, you know, take you take you in into the dream. Yeah, and as he explained to the woman at the well, 
God is a spirit. And those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Which, you know, which is to say, it's our consciousness of God that is the reality of our existence. And it governs our existence, our, our consciousness. Whether we have a correct consciousness of God or not, it governs our existence, our experience. So we might as well strive to have as correct a consciousness of God as possible. Now, now we have the beautiful story of the Shumanite woman and Elisha. And um, most of you know that. We've had Bible studies on it. Um, I love it very much. It's one of those stories that uh, as a child, I, I had suffered from these bad headaches. And I, I remember my mother reading me this story to me. I was in a darkened room and, you know, she pulled all the blinds and everything and was in great discomfort. And she read this story about the boy and, you know, my head, my head. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just, I will never forget that moment. Um, it was like the room lightened with the presence and power of God, that healing story. And I can't remember if we were in Christian science then or not. My mother had been a good Christian, Presbyterian church, but as you, most of you know, she was healed of cancer reading Science and Health. Well, anyway, I was a young child, but I just remember that light entering the room and, and being healed from that Bible story. And part of why I'm saying this is I can't emphasize enough the importance of reading Bible stories to, to children for that reason. Um, that they are familiar with this healing power of God, that they grow up knowing that God is their refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble, to instill that in their little souls. And, and therefore, too, the importance of our Sunday school, where they're taught so many of these wonderful lessons that will bless them their entire lives. So that story, I, I, I think maybe that was my first healing in science is, Gary remembers his as being the 23rd Psalm, but, um, well, the healing with feeling God's presence. And then it's an interesting, because in this story, we get a second part of it, right, that we often don't read about. And what happened in the second part? <coughs> I thought that was interesting. He told her to go you know, uh, during the drought to a, another place until the drought was over. And she followed his direction. I, I didn't even really realize that he had told her, the Shumanite woman. Yes. Elisha. I just somehow thought that was beautiful that she just followed it and, and the child and she were protected again and probably her household. Yeah. And that right there, Kesai was telling the king about all the healings that Elisha had done. And the king said, okay. A point unto her, a certain officer saying, restore all that was hers and all the mm -hmm. fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Yeah. <laughs> now, there, there's a wonderful example of. Preservation. <laughs> yes. Oh, God at work. God at work. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. She had turned to God. Good example of that phrase, the Lord will restore the years the locusts have 
season yes. too. I mean, yes. talk about a, a truly <laughs> practical. That's just where I was going. Thank you. God will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Whatever you think you've lost, God can bring back. And it's happened. I've seen it happen in my own life. You just another law of God. Now, to have these laws work for you, you've got to be living a godly life. You can't be just doing everything that's not godly. Um, this is how we differ. You know, New Age has taken stuff from, from Mrs. Eddy. And tried to just, oh, you can think things into being and all this stuff. Well, no, no, no. no. It, it, there has to be the obedience the to be, the divine law. Be, yes, and to, and to God, that obedience. But yes, the recovery. And um, so thank you, Lenny. May I have one thing? Sure, please. Yeah. It, I found it was so tremendous. If you realize how everything came together. Behind God's eyes, the Shumanai woman, the children, and the king. There was no telephone back in those days. And God, <laughs> I right. knew the whole story, the beginning, the end, I and did. the middle. And just had everybody in the right place when necessary, you know, to make that happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody in the yeah. right place to make that happen. And this is a series of stories with the same people. Mm. I mean... And it took all of them listening each moment every day in, in between to make yeah. all this Yes, happen. and to be willing to take these tough stands when they had to against error that was, you know, looming right before them, but trusting their God. And each time he brought them through. And I, I love this. It's in the um, Kimball's lectures and articles on page 250. There is no law against you. If you mourn, if you have been cast down because of disease, know this. There positively is no law against you. And moreover, know this still further, that you are entitled to enforce the law of your own life. You are entitled to enforce the law of your own health, of your own prosperity. You can do it. You can learn to do it. It is within the confines within the divine provision concerning your very life and your daily needs. Be not afraid. You may be a law unto yourself, a law to your recovery from disease, a law to your business, a law of harmony to your welfare and your own household and all things of your life, because God gave man dominion and you are entitled to it in this very hour. You are entitled to be a law of recovery to your own self. So there. <laughs> that is the divine law, declaring it for yourself. And that is true for everyone everywhere, including refugees, everybody. That law is true. Why would God create people and have, have not the truth within them all? The truth is within them all. We get educated out of it, but that truth is within you all. And when it is spoken, it will, that the truth speaking truth, <laughs> it will click. And I'll say, yes, I know that to be true. And so anything we say, and I love this because Eustace always says this too. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm, I'm reminding you of what you already know is true. And that's why, you know, when someone is speaking the truth, you feel a power. 
right? Mm -hmm. And when someone is telling a lie, you're kind of scratching your head and wondering, I, I'm not so sure about this. When you are clear with God, that's how you will respond to communication. And that's why, um, you know, some people you respond to and some people you don't um, because they're not there yet. If they're expressions of something that's other than the truth or if they're trying to deceive you in some way. And right now we know it to be true, especially with the media. I mean, the media is responsible for so much discontent and carrying on between people, all this fighting and reporting stuff. Good grief. That's why as much as possible, you keep it off. We need to be informed citizens. Absolutely. But pick your sources. Yeah. Pick your sources and be be very wise. And I love this. This is something from the Blue Book. And Linda had put it in the pamphlet on government, right? True government, yeah. which is everyone should have true government. Everyone should have handling the weather. Everyone should have con the one about only contagion. Good <laughs> only good is contagious. And the one about cho our children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're because, all on the website. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. Scroll down to the bottom of the main page and they're all there. So. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, this, listen to this, because this is so important in today's world. You can only rely on your spiritual sense to know what is true, who's speaking truth, and who's not. This is Mary Baker Eddy, The Blue Book, page 150. The science of mind uncovers to scientists secret sin. Even more distinctly than so-called physical crimes are visible to the personal senses. Crime is always veiled in obscurity. But science fastens guilt upon its author through mind with the certainty and directness of the eye of God himself. I'll read it one more time. The science of mind uncovers to scientists secret sin even more distinctly than so-called physical crimes are visible to the personal senses. Crime is always veiled in obscurity. But science fastens guilt upon its author through mind with the certainty and directness of the eye of God himself. All Era wants to do is to be left alone and to operate in secret. We all have heard the phrase hidden agendas. And, you know, people can approach you very kindly and all this kind of thing, but their agenda is hidden and they've got something not good in mind. When you are in touch with God in your spiritual sense, you it is impossible to be deceived. And I can't tell you how many things I know I felt, and probably many of you here, how many things I have known for a long time, and now it's coming out. I've known because God tells me, and I can tell who's lying and who's not, and what is truth and, and what isn't truth. And the more you get into the science, the more you will find that that is happening to you. It's not that you're just oblivious to things that are wrong because we say error doesn't exist. No, as you as you grow in science, you become more aware of what's wrong, but only to heal it and to realize it's nothingness because if it's not of God, it has no power. It claim it. You acknowledge it. Cl its claims. You denounce its power, as Miss Betty says. 
It claims a lot, but that doesn't mean there's real power in it. What we know, Mrs. Eddy tells us, era comes to you for life, and you give it the life that it has. It's like a parasite. If you don't give it life, it has no life. And again, don't take my word for it. You prove this to yourself. But it requires putting this first in your life and not just a pastime or you go to it occasionally or when it's convenient. Because it is the pearl of great price. Yeah, it's always better not to be scammed than to come to this after being scammed. (laughs) Well, and that's another thing, the scams that are out there now. I, I get reports of it. I mean, one of our dear people, she was trying to help an illegal immigrant. Who came to her and this person gave her all her jewelry and all her cash. Yeah, she thought it was a loan. And then this person disappeared. So we'll know that that person has the consciousness of right doing. And and God did not make a dishonest person. But yes, people that would try to deceive or scam you were were too too smart for that because God is speaking to us. And we pray every day for those who think they are without, because we know in truth they have everything they need. Because, as it says in our lesson, divine love always has met and always will meet every human need. It is not well to imagine that Jesus demonstrated the divine power to heal only for a select number or for a limited period of time. Since, to all mankind... And in every hour, divine love supplies all good. That's what was in our watch last night, wasn't it? Something to know always. All mankind, in every hour, divine love supplies all good. And we will never know how many people have been helped by these prayers except maybe someday when we're at the pearly gates, maybe, but I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. The truth is working. And it, and those who are reaching out in some way for an answer or desperate, they can be healed and, and affected by our prayers. Um, we got maybe they wake up. Praise the false education. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charlie. Uh, Izzy wrote this morning. And it rained, maybe she called for help from the weather committee. And uh, there's a drought. Everything, she said, the, the grass was crackling under your feet. Well, it rained 40 minutes of beautiful rain. It's wonderful. And they, yeah, they were having a drought and, and they were expecting a very bad storm. And the committee was alerted and has been working. And I've also heard recently about two volcanoes beginning in Philippines and Hawaii. So the committee needs to be working on this. Um, They've had wonderful success, as well they should, because all is under God's control, including the elements. So go ahead, Florence, were you trying to say something? Or someone was. Hello? Oh, was it Betty? Okay. Well, there might have been somebody else also, but... Um, something that I've been looking at the first couple of things in this story about the Shunanite, the Shumanite woman, and it starts off with, she tells her husband, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. So she used, she was using her spiritual sense 
And that's what you were talking about, that we need to exercise that. Thank you. No, that's a very good point, because right from the very beginning, she perceived this. And and that's why she was blessed, wasn't she? She was willing to, to you know, take some guy in and help him. <laughs> and and uh, and then she was blessed with having a child. And she was blessed with her child being raised from the dead. And then she was blessed with being taken care of during the drought. So when you're in this mind, the mind of Christ, all good is possible to you. It doesn't matter how dire your situation is. And it's tremendous. And it's proven many, many times. So with someone else, go ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the false education that some people are closer to God than others and all that, I think in our, in our prayers is correcting thought. And to, for everyone everywhere to know that they are just as much close to God, inseparable from him like anyone else, that he created all. And from that basis, I think one gets to be awakened to the fact that, no, I have, even now, right here. And because the, the, the false education of that, I feel, is what maybe, you know, Preventing people from realizing how how close God is to every one of his children. Thank you very much. All, all of these things that we accept. Yeah, other people can do it. Other people have advantages I don't have. Other people are this. Other people are that. In the meantime, they're not realizing what God is doing for them right now and who they are as God's image. If they would spend all that time looking at everybody else and wishing they had what everyone else had and worked on what they do have, like the story of the talents. You just take one talent and you can expand on that. And we all have at least one talent, if not more. But yeah, you have to shut out all those voices that tell you you can't, you don't want to, you don't understand. So-and-so does it better. So-and-so is richer. So-and-so has this or so-and-so has certain education or whatever it is you think that holds you back. Nothing can hold you back as God's child. It's your own thinking that holds you back. As Mrs. Eddy well, said, oh, sorry. Well, hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true, and you will bring these into your experience proportionably to the occupancy of your thought. Hold that thought steadfastly, and you will bring it into your experience. Who wanted to speak? Oh, I was just going to say, I was laughing because, and it just proves your point about, you know, it, it does, instead of making excuses, Tony chimed up when we were talking about the Shumanite woman. He's like, yeah, I guess her, apparently her poor dullard husband just got dragged along. It all seemed to be focusing on her. <laughs> but when you think about it, I mean, here's a time when supposedly women, you know, they didn't, you know, apparently had no property rights or anything else. And yet it was her spirituality that, you know, that again, Save the, family. save the family, you know, the child, having the child, saving the child, saving their property. It all came through her, a supposed woman who has no rights or, you know, no legal rights in those times. Thank you. Very important. Absolutely true. Very important. One wise man saved a city. That beautiful story. One wise man saved a city. Doesn't take a large number. In fact, it never is a large number. It's usually just a few, maybe even one. Okay. We're ending on. I forget who gave this to me. It might have been Carrie. It might have been Bob. But it was something by a vision Julia Ward Howe had. 
And um, she was the one who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And she was a woman's right, a suffragette. Suffrage, yeah. And um, this is her her vision. Her vision. Julia Ward Howe. <clears throat> one night recently, I experienced a sudden awakening. I had a vision of a new era, which is to dawn for mankind, and in which men and women are battling equally, unitedly, for the uplifting and emancipating of the race from evil. I saw men and women of every clime working like bees to unwrap the evils of society and to discover the whole web of vice and misery and to apply the remedies and also to find the influences that should best counteract evil and its attending suffering. There seemed to be a new, a wondrous, ever-permeating light, the glory of which I cannot attempt to put into human words the light of the newborn hope and sympathy blazing. The source of this light was born of human endeavor, immortal purpose of countless thousands of men and women who were equally doing their part in a worldwide battle with evil and whose energy was bended to tear the mask from error, crime, superstition, greed, and to discover and apply the remedy. I saw men and women standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder, a common lofty and indomitable purpose lighting every face with the glory not of this earth. All were advancing with one end in view, one foe to trample, one everlasting good to gain. I saw them advancing like a mighty army, laden with the fruits of their research, their study, their endeavor in this battle with the powers of darkness and ready to tear vice from the earth, to strip away all of selfishness, greed, and rapine. Then I seemed to see them stoop down to their fellows and to lift them higher, higher, and yet higher. Men and women, a vast host, whom none could number, working unitedly, equally, with superhuman energy, all for the extirpation of the blackness of vice and for the wheel of the race. And then I saw the victory. All of evil was gone from the earth. Misery was blotted out. Mankind was emancipated and ready to march forward in a new era of human understanding, all-encompassing sympathy, and ever-present help. The era of perfect love, of peace, passing understanding. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.